As we begin these 40 days of Lent, the Church sets before our eyes Christ in His 40 days of trial in the desert. And there are four lessons that we can learn from the temptation of Christ in the desert on how to overcome temptation. The first is don't be dismayed. Don't be dismayed by temptation. We sometimes feel like as soon as we're tempted, we've already lost. And that's not the case. Temptation is not sin. And it's very important to know that. It's close in time to sin. It's close in our experience because temptation always precedes sin. But in and of themselves, temptation and sin are as far from one another as the East is from the West. It's true, it doesn't feel good to be tempted. We might feel dirty or sad, especially because sometimes temptation has a kind of resonance within us. And yet it's not sin. Sin always involves a consent of the will. It involves our freedom. And temptation is something that we suffer. It's not something that we do or that we choose. So we shouldn't be ashamed or startled when we're tempted. Temptation doesn't separate us from God. And the proof of that is today's gospel, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who was perfect and innocent from the moment of his conception through his whole life, was tempted. He was tempted, and we know that he was never, even for an instant, separated from his Father. And so, Temptation of itself doesn't separate us from God. And it's really important for us to get this. Because temptation is hard enough on its own without loading on top of it the weight of discouragement and a false sense of guilt that doesn't belong to it. Temptation is not sin. You know, when we're tempted, God is just as pleased with us as in a moment of perfect devotion. You know, maybe you've experienced a moment when you, you come to the chapel and you feel like you can just pray. And you feel that you're in communion with God. And you know that God's delight is upon you. As Christ, when he came up from the waters of the Jordan River, and he heard the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Do you know that that gospel immediately precedes this one? And it's from that experience at the Jordan that the Spirit impels him out to the desert to be tried and tested. Do you think that the Father was any less pleased with Christ in the desert as he was the moment that he came up from the waters? Of course not. And do you think that the Father is any less pleased with you when you're fighting a temptation as in your moment of, of pure devotion? He's pleased with you. He's pleased to see you fighting. So, in moments of temptation, we have to know that Christ has not abandoned us. God has not abandoned us. He sent His only Son to go before us into the desert and to be with us there in the fight. That's the first lesson. The second lesson is this. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. St. Paul calls the Scriptures the sword of the Spirit. And so if it's true that we face a battle in this life, a spiritual battle, 
then we ought to go to battle armed. And our best weapon is the Word of God. Look how Jesus uses it again and again and again. Satan tempts him three times, and three times he dispatches Satan with the Word of God. One does not live on bread alone, he says. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone you shall serve. The second rebuke. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And finally, Satan leaves. Three strokes. Three pieces of scripture. I want to encourage you to memorize scripture for this very purpose. So that you have your sword on hand. A, a sword that's stuck in its sheath or that's left behind does you no good. But if you have the word of God integrated and memorized, you can draw it at any moment. You can defend yourself, and you need that. So you could begin with three, these three passages of Scripture. They're very effective. For all temptations of the flesh, when you want to put the priorities of your bodily impulses above what you know is good and right and true, you have the words of Christ. One does not live on bread alone. And you'll see how that pushes back the temptation. Or you're anxious and worried about what other people think about you, what your boss thinks about you, what your family thinks about you. And you're stressed and anxious about, about it. And you draw the, the sword of the Spirit. You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him alone you shall serve. And with that word you remember, Lord, I'm here to serve you and no one else. Who cares what anyone else thinks? I'm here to serve you and you alone. And so on. So I encourage you, try in this week to learn three very short passages of Scripture. One of them you might have memorized by the time you leave the Mass tonight. I think if I repeat it once more, you have it. One does not live on bread alone. Okay, now close your eyes and repeat it to yourself. There you go. You have one done already. That's the second lesson that we can learn from Christ's temptation in the desert. The third is this. Don't negotiate with temptation. Don't negotiate with temptation. That was Eve's mistake, wasn't it? That Satan came, he said to her, did God really say? And instead of saying, get out of here, snake, she started to dialogue with him. She listened, she gave him an audience, she responded, but they went back and forth, and in time, Satan wore her down. He wove a trap for her. Temptation, Satan, the tempter, is like a telemarketer. He just wants to keep you on the line as long as he can, because he knows the more time he has you on the line, the better chance he has of weaving a trap for you, of convincing you somehow. What's the best way to get rid of a telemarketer? Boop. You don't need to explain yourself. You don't need to tell them what you have going on that day, that you're already really pleased with your wireless service. Boop. I'm sorry if there's any telemarketers out there. Uh, everybody has to do something to make a living. But look how swift Jesus is. Satan tempts him? No. He comes again? No. He comes a third time? No. 
and then Satan leaves. So that's how we need to be in the face of temptation, swift and decisive. We don't dialogue with it. We don't negotiate or compromise because we always lose that battle. Satan is too crafty. He's too clever. Think how much experience he has. You have the experience of your own life. But he's been busy tempting every one of us and every generation of people from the beginning. So just don't play the game. Cut it off. Be swift and decisive in rejecting temptation. Have you ever seen the video of the marshmallow test? It's, it's amazing. Uh, it's, uh, I guess, a psychological test that they ran on these little kids to test their capacity for delayed gratification. So they invite these kids to come. They set a marshmallow before them, and they explain, if you wait five minutes, when I come back, I'll give you a second marshmallow, and you can have both of them. And so you see these kids in there, they're being filmed, and each one is on their own, and they're just agonizing. They don't know anyone's watching them, of course. So, you know, you have some that are very stoic, and they're just sitting there waiting their time. But then you have others who pick it up, sniff it, set it down. One little boy who kind of take a little piece from the bottom and then put it back down and hide it. Someone else licks it. There's another little boy who just sits down before they even finished explaining, he already ate the marshmallow. <laughs> so he didn't, uh, he didn't negotiate with temptation, he just gave in right away. That's, I guess, another way of getting rid of temptation, but not very effective in the long run. So sometimes we're that way, aren't we? Okay, we know it's not right, we hold off, but we kind of negotiate. We compromise. Well, maybe a little bit of this. Maybe I can think about it. Maybe I can date. Maybe I can... We need to be swift and decisive in rejecting it, in walking away from it. The fourth lesson that we can learn from Christ's temptation in the desert is that victory is possible. It is possible to overcome temptation. Jesus defeated Satan, and by his grace, we can overcome temptation as well. You might object, that was Jesus. That was the Son of God who was perfect, and he's not subject to the same weakness that we are. He isn't, wasn't afflicted by original sin, so he doesn't have that inward inclination towards sin that we do. So it was easy for him. So it's true that he was stronger than we are. But it's not true that it was easier for him. Precisely because he was so strong, he could bear the force of infinitely greater temptations. You know, we've never known temptations of that magnitude because we give in much before they get that strong. I mean, how many men have sold their soul for a petty position? And Christ was presented in an instant with all of the kingdoms of the world. And he resisted. He was at his weakest moment. His body was weakened by fasting for 40 days. And Satan himself came against him with all that he had. And he resisted. He overcame. And so the temptation of Christ is not a farce. It's not a drama that he played out in the desert. He was truly tempted, much more so than us. 
and yet he overcame. In the desert, his body was weakened, and he was so exhausted by his battle with Satan that angels came to attend to him at the end. And then again in the garden before the cross, when he wrestled with Satan a second time, he sweat blood, and angels again had to come and strengthen him in his temptation. He does know temptation. He does know temptation, and he overcame. And so we know that it's also possible for us in him to overcome. You can triumph. You can resist temptation. The gospel says at the end, when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Satan withdrew. It's true that in this life, he'll keep coming back. And we see that in the life of Christ. He came back again at an opportune time. We'll have to fight again, but we can win again by the same grace. And so we should enter this season of Lent with confidence, not in ourselves. We know by now how weak we are, don't we? Not in ourselves, but in Christ and in his grace. So let's begin Lent full of humble hope that the Lord can do a new thing. Let's make this second stanza of the song that we sang as we processed in our own. It's a prayer to Christ. He says, as you with Satan did contend and did the victory win, oh, give us strength in you to fight, in you to conquer sin.